0: What's going on, you animalistic, aristocratic aardvarks? Welcome to episode 14 of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I am, as always, joined by the wonderful Will, also known as Huda Funk. Oh, M- much more energy than I was expecting from you this <laughs> week, not going to lie.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd try and come in strong and then I'll peter out as we get to the end. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, well, I'm already feeling myself peter out. To be honest with you. We start off strong and then immediately fall over.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it was so for the benefit of our listeners and viewers. Um, both Will and I are pretty sick this week. Um, <laughs> it's
1: the worst timing. <laughs> so um, the show must go on. Uh,
0: the show must go on. But apologies if there's uh, if a distinct low energy and uh, <laughs> nasally noise. Exactly. Uh, you know, at least coughing, this time i have got a fucking mic plugged in properly. But still. <laughs> probably be best if i didn't but
1: i'm sure james will do his best to edit out all of the coughing spluttering and sniffing
0: yeah and who knows maybe as a little cheeky bonus i'll keep him in there right at the
1: end for you lovely people just like uh, a super cut of all of the coughs sneezes and sound like some of the music you listen to
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear me all right before we crack on with the show um get those get those old socials done you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you can find podcasts, really. Uh, just search Total Pod Mode, and you're sure to find us. Uh, we also post regular video content of our playthrough stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode.
1: You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at TotalPodMode, all one word. And whilst you're
0: there, you can find me at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM.
1: And you can find me at whodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash
0: Now, let's do a catch up before we both keel over and die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's crack it.
0: So uh, I'll start us off because mine's going to be nice and f***ing quick. Uh, I have, because of my illness, basically played nothing this week apart from challenge stuff. Um, So I was really hoping that I might have been able to jump into Warzone 2.0, which obviously came out this week at the time of recording. But alas, hasn't been to be, unfortunately. (laughs) So how about you, man?
1: Well, I mean, I could also say that I've had my own challenge this week that has kept me away from doing much gaming. <laughs> but that challenge was just not succumbing to COVID. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're doing I, very well. I seem to be doing pretty well at the start. No spoilers. I don't want to get get ahead of myself for the challenge oh, yeah. section. But oh, uh, dude,
0: w- dude, wait till the second half of the game. <laughs>
1: I still have a <laughs> wait till the end game, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Once you've completed COVID, there's a bunch of bonus missions to do. And oh shit!
1: Okay, is there new game plus? Is there COVID plus at the end? COVID twenty, mate. COVID twenty. Oh <laughs> shit! Okay, as long as it doesn't become a new yearly release, I'm fine.
0: Yeah, I hope not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so on a more serious note, I did actually manage to cram in some gaming uh, this weekend. Uh, unsurprisingly, though, it is still Call of Duty: Modern Warfare two related. Um, I'm very pleased to say though that I was actually able to complete the campaign this week, uh, which was quite an achievement for me. I was very happy to, to be able to do that. And I've just got like a few observations, I guess, around that campaign and how I got on. So one of the points that I brought up in the previous podcast was that the game seemed to be lacking a certain amount of sort of epic bombastic moments and sort of crazy action sequences and set pieces and things like that.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying it was particularly disappointing.
1: Yeah, it just didn't really seem to have any of that, that the previous Call of Duty titles, at least the ones that I played, uh, did have. So there was a certain mission that finally kind of gave me some of those crazy moments in the game where you're actually tailing a terrorist convoy in a helicopter and you are shooting out of the helicopter and eventually you fall out of the helicopter and you are still attached by your sort of safety rope, the clip onto the helicopter but obviously you're just dangling from a helicopter at that point upside down swinging in between traffic chasing a convoy shooting at you which was that was a you know a quite a cool set piece i quite enjoyed that
0: that's very action film of them
1: absolutely yeah god and if that isn't typical for the call of duty franchise it's just rip off a bunch of action scenes
0: <laughs> i was gonna say, I swear like the rock does that in film, some or something.
1: Uh, they just they take as many action movie scenes as they can and they slap them into the game it's even like uh I think it was actually the last Modern Warfare 2 where they had the snowmobile chasing down the uh, icy mountain scene straight out of one of the James Bond movies. And then I think in that same movie, you're also firing a shotgun off of the back of kind of a Harley style motorbike and reloading it exactly the way Arnold Schwarzenegger does in Judgment Day. They kind of, they just take all those references and feed them back into the games and hey, it works, you know, for that first or second time you play it at least.
0: I guess it makes sense I feed on that nostalgia.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And set pieces like that—they're proven to work. So I guess why not rip them? I copy them into your game. Yeah, I wasn't accusing Activision of ripping
1: anyone <laughs> off. Honestly. That was too close. Um, but just to, to build on that scene. Um, so after you are dangling from the helicopter and you've shot some guys on the back of the convoy, you decide that dangling from a helicopter probably isn't the best way to complete the mission. So you reach inside your boots pull out a combat knife and cut yourself free and land on top of one of the cargo trucks of the convoy that you're chasing. And this is where things start to get really fun. The game then, you enter into the sequence where you're relatively towards the back of the convoy and you need to fight your way to the front of it by hopping from vehicle to vehicle on the roofs, Okay. Once you've jumped onto the roof of a vehicle, you can press the enter vehicle button and you'll hijack in the same way you do in loads of action games. You know, you grab the dude, chuck him out, jump in. Yeah. Once again, uh, another familiar scene from Judgment Day 2. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbing a dude out of a uh, of a 16-wheeler, chucking him to the side and driving it. Nice. And what you actually have to do is, as you're fighting your way through the convoy, obviously your vehicles are taking damage, you need to get out of your vehicle, jump onto the roof, just cause styly, and then hop to another vehicle, take that one, and keep fighting your way up the convoy. And that was probably the most exciting mission, I've got to say, in the whole campaign, because at one point you start chasing a truck, which is chucking out mines, and you've got to avoid those while stealing other cars and also being shot at. And I've got to say, actually, now that I've completed the game, I think that probably was the sort of the craziest scene in the game. And I really enjoyed that. And I was glad that they put some stuff like that in. I still say, though, that on balance, the previous Modern Warfare or Call of Duty franchise as a whole has definitely had more sort of crazy action set pieces in them uh than this title so far but i did find that bit really enjoyable
0: that does sound really cool actually it's uh not something i particularly expect from a call of duty game having not played too many campaigns yeah me neither it all sounds a bit too crazy like i would have thought they would be more conservative in their set pieces but hey pleasantly surprised man that sounds really fun actually
1: i think it's it's Probably not the fact that it was sort of not so conservative. I think the fact that it just incorporated a lot of gaming elements that you don't typically see in a Call of Duty campaign and um, sort of like extended driving sequences and transitioning from vehicle to vehicle. Obviously, I, I do need to sort of point out that the last Call of Duty game I played before Modern Warfare 2 was Modern Warfare. So I, I have sort of missed out a few. So there may well be scenes in some of the later games after that.
0: Was Modern Warfare not the one that came out just before though?
1: Yeah, but then like, two other titles released since then didn't there I think there was like oh
0: there's uh, Vanguard.
1: That was it. Vanguard and Cold yeah. War, I believe, came out since so then. So I completely
0: forgot about Cold War because it was—I don't think it did very well, did it?
1: Uh, I know, I know a fair few people that bought it, but I think that most people were just like, "This is a shame. I want to go back to modern guns and things like that," and they didn't take it there.
0: In my mind, it went Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare too. I completely forgot about those two. <laughs> yeah, there you
1: go. Dumb. F- I think that's probably the same for a lot of people there. To be honest with you, I know that the Modern Warfare online community was still pretty active even with those games sort of coming out since and. Typically on Call of Duty, you tend to see a pattern where there's kind of a mass migration apart from, uh, you know, a small handful of users onto the next titles. Yeah. Unless there's an absolute clanger like uh, Ghosts or something like that, where everyone just kind of sticks to the previous one.
0: That one still hurt. Ghosts is the reason I didn't get super into Call of Duty because I love Black (laughs) Ops 2 and I was hyped for the next one, which was Ghosts and it was shit. And by all accounts, Infinite Warfare and some of the other ones in between weren't great either
1: is it infinite warfare advanced Advanced warfare i I actually quite like that one uh i liked the additional mobility but it just didn't feel like a call of duty game so it was yeah i I liked it felt more like a kind of a halo game with a very quick time to kill but i loved the evading in that game i gotta say i used to really value the fact that you could kind of just do a very quick sidestep and stuff like that i was often winning out gun battles by quickly zipping behind someone and shooting them in the back if they were getting me in the back from up close or you would jump into the air they would start shooting you. You could air dodge to the side and then finish them off because they'd missed where you'd gone sort of thing. So there was actually
0: quite a lot of cool stuff in there. That definitely sounds like Halo though. Yeah, you're right. An right, air exactly. Dodge None of that sounds Call like a Call of
1: Duty game. Yeah, there's an Man. error of aid in Advance Warfare. Honestly, yeah. it's a good game, just uh, not a Call of Duty game. Um, there was also another cool mission, uh, which introduced some mechanics that I hadn't done before. So at one point, you get betrayed, and you end up behind enemy lines without a weapon. And you actually need to sneak around the environment. And it even gives you a kind of a basic crafting system, where you have to steal things like wax, adhesive, uh, okay. Fallout for anyone? <laughs> and yeah. uh, And you actually have to craft sort of improvised explosives. You need to make a shiv. You need to make something that can pry open locks, a little bit like Last of Us. You make a kind of a a, a breaking open tool so you can get inside chests. Could your shiv not do that? (laughs) No, unfortunately not like Last of Us. Your shiv doesn't. But it was definitely one of those bits where it just felt really refreshing. It felt like a nice change of pace and break to the sort of established gameplay that you were playing at that point. I guess the other thing was is that if you did get discovered, unlike a lot of missions, which are stealth missions in Call of Duty, the game doesn't end. You actually have the opportunity to run away and hide again, break enemy line mm-hmm. of sight and recuperate and, and continue with the mission. So so no
0: bullshit, you were spotted, so you must fail now and start again. Okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah, exactly, which is just yeah. so typical of Call of Duty. It's like you must play it this way, and if you don't do exactly what the game wants you to do, mission over. That's really refreshing to hear. Yes, yeah. That was, that was very enjoyable. And I very much enjoyed making all manners of sort of trip mines, smoke bombs, and uh, and things like that.
0: Very MacGyver of you. Here's here's some toothpaste,
1: a piece of bark,
0: and some dental floss, and I want you to make a tripwire landmine.
1: <laughs> pretty much, that's kind of what it felt like. Nice. So, and as I mentioned, I I did actually manage to complete the campaign. Uh, the final mission was pretty cool. There was a a tank battle which you actually fight in a destructible environment, which was. Kind of cool as well. And it actually felt, honestly, weirdly a lot like Battlefield. (laughs) Like, the way that the mechanics worked for the building exploding and stuff as the tank was chasing me, it was akin, very much akin, to to Battlefield. Nice. And just left me with this feeling like, okay, so why isn't environmental destruction featuring more heavily in the rest of the game, you know? Because it it looks good. It works well, in my opinion.
0: Maybe they wasted all their uh, resource on that one level. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know how much data memory cpu whatever that would take to do so maybe that's why they couldn't put it in the whole game or maybe they were just like "fuck it we'll give it a try and see what happens because let's be real battlefield of the dons when it comes to that sort of thing
1: yeah exactly i think it's probably something to do with the fact that the frostbite engine was built with environmental destructibility in mind. Uh, maybe it was a bit of a proof of concept and we'll see it feature more heavily in future titles. I would love to see it because, you know, I've got an honest memory of playing uh, Battlefield Bad Company 1. And the first time I punched a hole in a wall with a grenade launcher around, I thought, holy shit, the next Call of Duty is going to be wild when you can do this, because there's no <laughs> way that they're not going to include that in the next Call of Duty. Yeah. And then, you know, here we are like, what? Almost 15 years, years later, later <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> or more, yeah. But the campaign wasn't the only thing I managed to dip my toes into this week. Uh, So thankfully, due to the release of Warzone 2.0 and the Battle Pass this week, I got to have a little quick look into those.
0: Nice. Did you buy the Battle Pass then?
1: Um, Because I bought the Vault edition of the game, I got the Battle Pass included in that package, along with like sort of five level skips or whatever, like or, or 50 battle pass tokens or something
0: nice get that vip premium treatment baby
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well i don't actually think it don't think it was much more expensive than just buying the base edition of the game and considering at the time i knew i was going to buy the battle pass anyway it just seemed like a good idea to do it yeah and battle
0: pass is normally what 10 15 pound anyway so yeah exactly probably probably
1: what you paid different
0: so it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, I had a pretty strong feeling that I was going to get quite heavily into this Call of Duty, it being a return to modern warfare. Yeah. And after my disappointment with Battlefield 2042, um, I knew that Call of Duty was going to be the FPS that was going to carry me through until the next one. Just quickly back to the battle pass, though. So the battle pass now, instead of being a linear system where you have levels 0 or levels 1 to 50 or something like that, yeah. it's actually a map now with around 20 different sectors on it. You have a start point on the map, a bit like a board game. And then you need to... (laughs) So each of the 20 sectors of the map has five Battle Pass items included in it. You start off in one corner of the map, unlocking sector one, and then you progress to unlock sector two, sector three... But you can unlock adjacent tiles, so if Sector 1 is next to Sector 4, you don't need to go numerically, you can just go straight to Sector 4 and then to whatever, Sector 6, if Sector 4 is next to. There's a bit of tactical thinking in there, because obviously not all of these sectors you're even going to necessarily want to unlock, because they might not have the things you want in there. So you can straight up just skip past those, so it actually enables you quite a bit more freedom in terms of how you spend your points. And the way that you unlock these sectors is the fact that after you complete each match, you get these war zone tokens, I think they're called. Right. And then you you use those tokens, uh, one token per unlock, to unlock each of the five items associated with that sector. You can only unlock the next section once you've unlocked every single aspect of the current sector that you're in. Typically, there's one free item per each sector that won't yeah. cost you a war zone token to unlock, but the other four will. And the fifth, unlock for each sector is only available once you've done all the other four
0: got yeah so you can't go out of order in any way shape or form that makes sense what you've just described to me there that reminds me of um do you remember the show catchphrase
1: it looks a lot like that
0: (laughs) yeah where like you have to pick when you're doing the final round you have to get five across the board and you can pick whichever one you want adjacent to it but if you get it wrong you have to start again Reminds me of that. That's what it sounds like.
1: It, honestly, it's it's not too dissimilar to that, except that yeah. there's no sort of starting again thing. But absolutely, yeah. yeah, you need to kind of you channel a path through the battle pass. And I got oh, to say, yeah. I don't know if there's like more stages to this, but I appear to have like unlocked half the battle pass already just with my level skips that I got from the Vault Edition.
0: I assume they'll add to it, right? Because if they're just doing sections of a map, you could just tack loads more on i suppose
1: well i mean do remember that essentially this is when you think about it. i think most battle pass levels there are either 50 or 100 of them there is 20 sectors with five each so you're still looking at 100 items basically so it's the same number of items it just gives you a bit more freedom in how you select them which order you unlock them or if you want to just ignore them completely and save your points for something else and
0: will those points carry over to the next battle pass do we know uh, i would assume not because that's not normally how they do it
1: i actually would assume that they would do that just given the kind of the freedom that they're trying to portray with this battle pass
0: okay fair that's interesting i would have thought uh, you'd have a season 1 point tally that you could only use season 1 perks and then if there's a season 2 one they'd have new ones because otherwise people might just save up and then be able to clear the season 2 one straight away
1: but hey i think that that's kind of what they're enabling with this uh, intentionally so That'd be great if they do. It does remain to be seen, though.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that, that would be uncharacteristically cool of a big company. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey. Surprise, motherfucker. They now offer a third-person Battle Royale mode. So if you fancied playing Call of Duty Fortnite Battle Royale without the building, then that is open to you. Okay. So, yeah, they've they've implemented that back into the multiplayer, and now it's also come back for the war zone game mode and it, it works works well surprisingly well and it controls surprisingly well and the animations and things like that for your characters they all look pretty good so
0: oh, fair. i'd heard that they'd given uh, consoles a field of view slider but going third person is a bit extreme right? yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Nice to have the option, there because I'm sure some people prefer playing like that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's just kind of, it's a bit of fun, really. It's, hey, are you bored of playing typical Call of Duty? Then stick on third person for a bit, for a kind of a bit of a fun break. It feels less sweaty, less serious. Uh, and more like a fun time you know as you could imagine with third person mode it enables you to do things like peek around walls and stuff like that because yeah. the cameras pulled back
0: and you get to look at your lovely skin
1: yeah exactly you can look at your operator skin the entire game rather than just during the end cutscene.
0: scene to the german bloke with the weed
1: ghillie suit from yeah. warzone 1 <laughs> i hope they bring that back <laughs> there's also uh, a couple different ways that the br safe zone can work now so there's actually something called circle collapse where the safe zone actually splits into three different safe circular safe zones. And then they, right. as the game comes to an end, they finally converge back into one big safe zone. Okay, So that that's will kind of you know, yeah. allow players to sort of be separated off. Heck, you might even end up in a zone without another player in it. And then you kind of just sat wandering around until they reconverge. Although I imagine that they would probably figure out a way to avoid that from happening because uh, I don't know how long it takes for those rings to separate and reconverge but if that's anywhere near like 5-10 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just sat there wondering what to do for that time. That's quite cool
0: though because that means you could have in theory sort of two or three battles for supremacy going on. Teams could get completely rinsed have one player each with no health going into the final conversion and then it's like hell yeah. Absolutely. kind of cool, yeah.
1: And I would also hope that it would reduce instances of third partying where you're sort of engaging another enemy squad and then just as everyone's depleted and out and putting their armor packs in a third squad comes sweeping in and just gets everyone sort of thing that's something that is a particular issue for me in other br games that i've played like apex legends And I think that having a a sort of a split circle safe zone like that might actually prevent that sort of behavior and encourage kind of people to fight their own battles. Yeah,
0: will also mean snipers have a good premium too. Because if you can kill people in a different safe zone from distance, that's going to be pretty powerful.
1: I have a feeling that they may well make that quite difficult given how dense the fog is. I imagine it'd be very difficult to see someone through there. Really depends on how far these safe zones are uh, spread out as well.
0: Yeah. Shouts to the HDR. That'll be really handy in that. Yeah. In that
1: and just a very few last things, things that I noticed the difference in Warzone. Uh, so now the Gulag can actually be a 2v2 fight. So if you're in there with a teammate, you can actually take on another enemy team with two people. So that certainly makes Gulag fights a lot more interesting because of the uh, it sort of adds a certain layer of predictability and coordination with your teammate. You can cover one angle, they can cover one angle, and you can sort of eliminate the chances of being snuck up on or someone peeking around a corner and things like that.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's works similar to Warzone 1 where if you had someone above watching that was in your team, they could still relay info to you on the mic, but actually they can help out shooting now as well, as opposed to just lobbing a rock that does nothing.
1: And also, there is no flag in the centre of the Gulag to capture that I've seen, so uh, you could also win the Gulag battles after a certain time the flag would spawn in the middle and you could capture it. If the other person was still running around looking for you and you managed to get to the flag, you would win the Gulag. So due to the fact that there is no flag, there is now another element of the game that allows you to win other than killing the other team, which is a Jailer will spawn, which is essentially a Juggernaut armed with a Gatling gun in the center of the map, and it's the first person to take him out. Obviously, the game doesn't stop. So you'd better not just unload all your clip onto the Juggernaut because then the enemy team can come around, they'll hear your shots, they know where you are, they'll kill you before you kill the Juggernaut. But it does add in another element of the gameplay which puts pressure on you. Obviously, the Jailer comes out, he's following you around the map, you've got to run away, he'll force you out of a spot if you're hiding in it, if he knows where you are. So that's another you know kind of interesting element that they've added into the gulag which kind of makes it a more fun experience makes it seem a bit more diverse
0: yeah that's that sounds like quite a positive change actually because that's uh gives it a little bit more tension than just capturing a flag in the middle right
1: yes absolutely absolutely but i think uh that's that's me pretty covered in terms of the uh the call of duty news for this week i feel like i've gone on quite a bit there actually i didn't intend to but uh Yeah, there's been quite a lot of new content released this week.
0: Considering for someone who's been fucking ill, uh, you've done quite well there.
1: (laughs) I'm sat here sniffing and currently dripping in sweat. So (laughs) I think that. So worth it. (laughs) Worth it. Oh, mate, you're never going to stop us. The commitment to this podcast is real.
0: Yeah, until we're both just skeletons talking. (laughs) Yeah. That's us now all caught up. So how about we move on to the news for this week? So our first news story this week, Blizzard has announced that it will be suspending game services in China. Now, this is because they have failed to reach a new publishing agreement with NetEase. Um, As a result of this, uh, a bunch of titles will no longer be available to the Chinese player base, notably World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Warcraft 3 Reforged, Overwatch, Diablo 3, Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm. So some pretty big titles in there.
1: Yeah, basically all of the Blizzard big titles. All the good ones,
0: all the good ones.
1: All the good Blizzard ones. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Yeah, um, so... Uh, I'm
0: not sure who NetEase are. <laughs> apparently it's their Chinese partner because uh, a statement made by Blizzard Entertainment claims that it could not reach an agreement with Chinese partner NetEase that is consistent with Blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees. Okay. Whatever the fuck that means. So basically, I guess, tough shit to the Chinese players, right? Which is seems pretty harsh to me, but uh, apparently Blizzard games will not be pulled from China immediately. Um, they will lose access to flagship titles on the 23rd of january 2023
1: so not long then only a couple months
0: yeah it really is only a couple of months interestingly the remaining content releasing in 2022 will still be available which includes uh season two of overwatch 2 the new world of warcraft expansion Dragonflight, um and a new hearthstone uh well i assume a hearthstone dlc march of the lich king but presumably then when the main games go offline they'll also go offline so that seems kind of weird But then interestingly as well and lucky guys right service for diablo immortal will avoid termination because that has a different licensing agreement with netties so
1: So you mean the uh the one that is a pay to win absolute travesty of a game
0: basically the one that everyone would like to be (laughs) cancelled is the one that they're keeping right
1: (laughs) because that one is going to make them the most money undoubtedly
0: So, yeah, a bit of an odd one, this. Uh, according to the article, um, which is from our good friends at Gamer Ant,
1: Such good friends that you say their name wrong.
0: <laughs> hey, me and the Ant are good buddies. Oh, right, right.
1: I see, I see. It's, it's me that's wrong.
0: It's the, it's the internet that's wrong. <laughs> I'm the only one that's right. You're so dumb! But, yeah, as I say, apparently the two companies have worked together since 2008, so seems a bit of an odd one that they haven't been able to come to an agreement. Yeah. And it's even more odd, considering that china is quite a large proportion of blizzards player base particularly with things like world of warcraft right i mean that's huge out there so seems a strange one to me and looking at the article doesn't look like that a resolution is on the cards at least in the short term so
1: that was going to be my next question was that obviously this is you know they're failing to reach a publishing agreement right now but uh, you know you'd imagine that these huge titles aren't just going to disappear from china forever but i'm not seeing anything to suggest that they do have a plan to get these back so i can only assume that this is going to be a kind of watch this space
0: you'd have to think that they'd find a new chinese partner right There's no way that those games can stay offline in China for long, right?
1: I'm sure that there won't be a lack of volunteers uh, to, to take over from NetEase. However, I'm sure that Blizzard are kind of keen to make sure that they get a good partner in this and someone that's reliable as well. So I think that may be taking some time.
0: And it will take time as well, because if they've been working together since 2008, that ecosystem is going to be so intertwined. that It's going to take some unravelling and re-ravelling when they find someone. So I guess for the moment, watch this space. And uh, as things develop, we'll be sure to keep people updated on goings-on in Blizzard in China. So our second news story today is that Ubisoft and Riot are working together to make tools to prevent player toxicity.
1: Okay. Uh, What are they doing? Uh, Is it like text recognition or voice-to-text recognition, where every time you shout a slur, it bans you? Or what's going on?
0: Well, interestingly, apparently what they're doing is uh, they're partnering together to... Look into AI technology to moderate toxicity in gaming communities.
1: I assume this has to be player toxicity across communications because I don't know. I mean, there's more than one way to be toxic in a multiplayer game. I mean, the actions that you can take in the game themselves can be toxic. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of people find teabagging toxic, right? Yeah, right. What are they going to do? Like every time you stand over a certain player and mash the B bee- button, it's like whenever there's repeatedly mashing of the crouch button, they're like, we need to review the footage. My God, he dunked it. He dunked him!
0: <laughs> well, if it's an AI, they wouldn't be reviewing the footage, right? There'd be a set criteria. Assume, presumably, there'd be a set criteria. If you crouch on someone's face more, more than, than one times... <laughs> no, give them four. We'll the first
1: them. first few might have been innocent crouches, okay? They might have yeah. just been hiding behind cover over an Emmy.
0: Exactly. It might be, like, panic spamming. You know, these things happen,
1: right?
0: <laughs> but if it's four or more... Then you all... know. Then you know. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Ubisoft and Riot have said that toxicity in online games is an issue that gaming studios continue to struggle to address, uh, although not through lack of trying. And they're looking to try and find an automated tool to, quote, try and catch all issues because humans can't oversee everything, which is uh, presumably means that if someone reports something, they're going to have an automated system to review it rather than having someone in the support team look at it potentially weeks later maybe it'd be something more instantaneous but
1: that's interesting so that's that's not how i understood that when when you said that i kind of understood it that that meant that basically we don't have enough time to manually review everything or we don't have enough time to do all of that so we're just going to use an algorithm to flag all of that stuff initially is have i misunderstood okay. that
0: no it's a, it's potential that i've misunderstood it man i mean it's relatively vague at this stage
1: i mean i've certainly heard of people being sort of banned by algorithms before and and things automatically in games and it generates a lot of sort of uh, anger from the player community because you can guarantee that at one point or another the algorithm or the ai to detect these toxic behaviors is going to just get the wrong person or it's going to flag someone unexpectedly and then they get banned. And it really depends on a lot of things there. But I mean, if your account gets banned, I've, you know, read Reddit threads before where people have been banned from games, they've lost their entire inventory and that's in things like Rocket League and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, it's, it could be quite risky without having quite a few safety measures in place to ensure that if people are flagged falsely, or identified as hacking when they're not, or being toxic when they're not, then there needs to be a method of recourse for them to be able to get their accounts back. Otherwise, you're going to have people not even wanting to play these games for fear that they'll stick 150 odd hours into it. And then one day, just because they crouched five times on someone's head, that they no
0: longer have all their sexy skins. No, and that's a very, very good point you've made there. Like, if they are going to go with the fully automated algorithm, which doesn't really have that margin for error potentially... There is definitely going to have to be some sort of external review policy anyway for if someone is incorrectly flagged. And to me, on the face of it, at least, that sounds like they're just doubling up their work because... If you're going to have a human review it anyway, why not just have the human review it to begin with, right? Yeah. But I guess if it gets through some of that bloating, because there probably is, I mean, it probably happens more regularly than certainly I'm aware of. Then, you know, maybe it just slam dunks the easy wins and then the more serious cases do still have to be reviewed. But it's certainly interesting.
1: Yeah, I'll be certainly looking forward to hearing more about this AI system for preventing player toxicity because... uh I'm sure I'm going to fall foul of it James with my Riot Shield <laughs> Molotov fart gas thing so uh, oh hopefully- you'll definitely
0: get flagged for that.
1: Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully this is Ubisoft and Riot which have nothing to do with Call of Duty so the most I have to deal with is angry children screaming at me. Yeah!
0: Final thing about uh, this uh, how this AI is going to work slightly so what it's going to do is it's going to they're going to put together a database of sort of player information, player patterns, chat logs, all that good stuff. It's going to then have the algorithm set to what's toxic and it will be looking for that it's being researched now as new technology and the r&d departments are hopeful apparently that it will be able to hit the industry at large in 2023 so who knows i would have thought they might need to do a little bit more research than that but then who knows how long they've already been working on it so yeah once again watch this space but if it works i think that could be really cool but it's a big big if Third news story of the week is uh, perhaps unsurprisingly that uh, the game of the year nominations have been announced for this year.
1: Ooh! Ooh indeed. So who are they going to be? Well, I have a pretty good feeling who they are going to be. At least, at least three of them. <laughs> Go on, then.
0: I'll tell you if there. So there's uh, six games nominated for the big prize. There's obviously thirty one categories, but uh, we're only going to look at the game of the year today. What, what do you reckon's on there, man?
1: Okay. Well, undoubtedly, Elden Ring. Yep. Undoubtedly, God of War. Yep um stray just because people like that game a lot for some reason
0: yeah. <laughs> three for three so far uh, three more
1: games this year uh no no i those were the, the the three that came to mind immediately when i was thinking that they obviously going to be up there
0: and you are quite right so well done for that the other three being a plague tale requiem ah uh, yeah uh, horizon forbidden west yeah okay and xenoblade chronicles 3
1: okay um yeah. xenoblade's the only one that i haven't played out of that s- series of games you've played ragnarok oh god no sorry i, I meant like uh, of the series of games so like you know oh, like, right, i can kind of i can discern what ragnarok is kind of going to be like after playing the first one much like i can kind of discern the forbidden west is an expanded version of horizon zero dawn Fair.
0: well i've only played Elden ring in this slot, so i can oh well i say that i've Tried stray briefly on a friend's console and was instantly put off by the fact you couldn't free jump everywhere; you can only jump up on certain bits that it lets you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fuck this game. I want a free running parkour cat game. I don't want no forcing me to jump up on certain. I want to be able to jump on any ledge I want. I'm a cat for fuck's sake.
1: I think that their intentions for the game were that it didn't look dopey. And I yeah. think that if they would have given you a free run, it would have looked janky. It would have looked silly. And that's, you know, that's, that's just a byproduct of the fact that it gives you uh, a free jump sort of thing whereas they wanted a very the kind of experience that you could watch someone play and it looks good from point a to uh, point b sort of thing without having the jankiness there but i do agree with you i was disappointed in seeing that all of the jumps were essentially just walk to the edge and press a button as well i was hoping yeah. to have a bit more control than that at least
0: yeah exactly but um i haven't played the game so i can't judge too fully but no what, what are your thoughts on the nominations man i mean as you sort of alluded to perhaps not great surprise in a few of them but I must admit I didn't expect to see Playtale Requiem or Forbidden West in there to be honest with you
1: yeah I gotta say um well having not played Forbidden West either you know only only playing the original title I'm a little bit surprised to see that one in there but I mean I gotta say at the time the graphics were completely breathtaking the enemy design looks really good the only thing I can't really speak on it's something that I felt like let down the first game a little bit was the way the narrative was delivered maybe they've sort of toned that up and made that a bit better in the second game but I did find myself sort of very unintrigued by many of the characters and just sort of was pushing on the story uh, to, to get through it yeah. as opposed to actually trying to find out what was happening.
0: No, I mean, I haven't played um, Zero Dawn so or Forbidden West, so I can't really comment on that. I, I know that they're both good games in terms of from hearing from people that have played it, but yeah, I can't really comment on that. I'm not surprised to see Thunder Blade Chronicles in there because that game, by all accounts, looks beautiful and runs beautiful. So not surprised at all. And I think it was relatively long wait for that one. So I think that the fans were very, very happy when it finally arrived.
1: I'm sure neither of us are surprised that Elden Ring has made it into those Game of the Year nominations.
0: Absolutely not at all. Um, and I'm also not surprised that Ragnarok's made it in there even though it only came out two weeks ago.
1: <laughs> the hype around that game alone was going to carry that. I don't think even if people hadn't got hands on yet and they were just relying on sort of footage, they would still somehow find a way to get that into game of the year.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. But as I say, I'm surprised about Plague Tale Requiem. I this just- I believe that's the second in the series, right? Yeah,
1: that's right. A Plague Tale Innocence was the first one in yeah. the series. And that was kind of a fairly niche game. But I gotta say though, uh although, you know, I was I certainly didn't expect to see it in Game of the Year, I am seeing a lot of talk on the internet about a Plague Tale Requiem now. Uh and a lot of people yeah. praising that game really highly. So I've added it to my list of things to go back and play, but I will definitely be starting with Innocence and then going on to Requiem later. And
0: so, As you say there, it surprises me a little bit because I didn't think Innocence had done that well. Like, no, I, I don't niche, think it has. Say. I think those that played it liked it,
1: but... I think this one had a bit more of a wider appeal and obviously benefited from the fact that people were... You know, there was a small group of people more familiar with the Plague Tale series at that point, so they were more more noise about it just based on that fact alone
0: so man I've got to ask who do you think is going to win
1: who's going to win Um, honestly I'm I'm not really qualified to have an opinion on who I think should win Uh, just given the fact that I've only actually physically played one out of the six of these games but I, I can still seeing it being God of War Ragnarok due to the sort of the player base by and large preferring narrative driven story games as opposed to extremely hard, drop you in the middle of nowhere and don't explain anything kind of games. I think that those are a bit more prohibitive to a lot of players. It does seem that in this kind of modern state of gaming that we're in, the, there is a lot of handholding going on and, uh, you know, a lot of sort of directions, waypoints and markers and things like that and obviously Elden Ring chose to incorporate some of that to some degree, but way, way, way less uh, than most games would.
0: Hey man, they gave you a map.
1: They did, that was a big (laughs) step forward, and they let you put markers on it.
0: It's basically a waypoint. (laughs) Um, I probably agree with you, although I do have a slight problem with the fact that a game that's only going to have been available for about a month of the year is likely going to beat out a game that was released at the end of February and has had a lot more people play it and complete it, but that's the nature of the competition right so
1: i never take these game of the year things too seriously it seems to be more of a popularity contest more than a quality contest
0: yes yeah, it's, it's a lot more marketing than it is uh actual quality of game for sure because otherwise you'd probably see some uh, different games in some of these categories but uh Perhaps we can do that another time when we do our own Game of the Year podcast. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, the final little nugget of news we've got for you this week is uh, a nice quick one, um, which should really come as no surprise to anyone who's been following this game. Dead Island 2 has been delayed again.
1: <laughs> you cannot be serious! But James, I saw, a, I saw a pre-rendered trailer footage of the game not less than a couple months ago. What do you mean it's being delayed? I saw I pre-rendered know.
0: footage. I know, man. It's absolute nonsense, isn't it? Uh, so <laughs> I think this is like legitimately like getting towards double figures for how many times this game has <laughs> been delayed at this stage but you know basically it was due to come out 3rd of february 2023 from the last delay and it's now been delayed to the 28th of april 2023 not really much more we can say on this that hasn't been said already in the past other than to say that the developer themselves actually said the irony of delaying Deadline island 2 is not lost on us
1: <laughs> i've just seen that the link for this pc gamer article is surprise Dead Island 2 gets delayed for like the gajillionth time yeah (laughs) at this stage I have a feeling that previously it was more about getting things off the ground getting the right team in and things like that I have a feeling that a lot of this stuff is now oh this game is buggy as shit and we need to fix this as much as possible before release uh you know I would imagine that for a game that's being looked forward to by the player base this march they really don't want to screw the pooch on this one
0: yeah i still think they're gonna but that's that's <laughs> yeah that's i fun. mean yeah yeah
1: absolutely because
0: yeah. <laughs> if they announced this i mean years ago at this stage uh Surely the technology's moved on since they first started developing this? I don't know, man. Just, I think it that's, feels...
1: that's going to be a lot of the problem, though, isn't it? The technology's yeah. moved on, but the experience in handling that technology hasn't because it's yeah. it's new, right? So they're dealing with much more complex systems than they were previously. We'll see what happens, man. I mean,
0: Dead <laughs> Island 1 was a good time. I'm sure Dead Island 2 will be a good time. Let's see if we actually get to fucking play it before 2027, <laughs> right? So with that, I think we come to the end of the news. So let's mosey on over to the... A,
1: a- Games Challenge! So James, as the listeners are probably aware, last week I challenged you to complete Sekiro and get the Shura ending without using any of the ninja prosthetics. Also conscious of the fact that you were unwell during this week, and uh, Sekiro is uh, quite a demanding game, so lots of attention needed.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that was uh, honestly tough at times. So uh, as you've said there, basically from Monday night until, well, even still now, I've been pretty rough. have only really been able to play games in sort of two hour stints before having to stop because feeling sick and not being able to focus on it. And as you say, particularly with Sekiro, where you need focus, that's a real challenge. Even more so with the restriction of not using prosthetics. Because as players of Sekiro will know, Whilst not essential, the prosthetics can make your life a lot easier on a lot of bosses, right? Hell of a lot easier.
1: Bosses, enemies in the game, just, yeah, yeah, there's some of them that it's almost the definitive way to beat them is to use a specific prosthetic. Exactly.
0: So it was a challenge, um, and rightly so, it is called the Games Challenge, and initially I was really not sure how this was going to go because (laughs) I struggled with a boss that was relatively early on in terms of the Shura ending. Um, so for those who don't know the Shira ending is the quote-unquote bad ending of the game the evil ending but it's also comfortably the shortest ending there's a lot less to do I thought I was doing really well within two hours I'd gotten to what I will sort of call my wall because it was my wall (laughs) um, which was Genichiro Ashina this the first sort of the dude on the horseback no 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 the the guy that cuts off your arm in the tutorial when you oh, fight him right, again. Yes. Yeah. F*** me, this guy was a bastard, man. Like, I won't go straight into him yet because there were a couple of bosses I did fight before. As you say, there was matey on horseback who was absolutely no problem. I'd beaten him before in my previous playthrough so I knew his moves, I knew his pattern. That was fine. There was the tied up ogre boy which was one of the ones that I'll first say where prosthetics would have been useful because hmm. the firecracker yeah. makes that one just That's right. an absolute piece of piss.
1: Or the flame vent as well.
0: But yeah, so the ogre was a lot tougher without the prosthetics, but it's nothing I hadn't done before, so that was fine. And then the only other boss I did before that that's worth talking about is the the flaming bull.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. How did you find that? Because I found that quite difficult my first go, but then I figured out something and did it quite easily.
0: Again, I have done this one before, so I sort of knew what to expect, but it was still tough because the way to do it again efficiently is firecrackers. Because... For those that haven't played the game before, firecrackers essentially make all beast enemies sort of go a bit mad and just stuns them and just lets you get in so much free damage that it basically trivialises them.
1: It also does a hell of a lot of uh, poise damage as well, which is the kind of the main mechanic of this game, right? It's not about taking down their HP, really. It's about filling up their poise bar by successfully hitting them and making them yeah. parry to the point where you will break their poise and you're able to do a death blow. Yeah, although
0: you can still do the whittle down with health if you, if you if you're want to, f- but it's f- incredibly mad, slow. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you
1: don't know how to play the game, as I've seen with a lot of people. <laughs> well,
0: you say that, man. There's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the ball was, it was tough, but I sort of knew what to do, which is you just run around it in circles, do the That's odd right. hit.
1: Chase it, basically. Don't let yeah. it get away from you. Just constantly be sprinting and benefit from the fact that you've got unlimited stamina.
0: Exactly. But is, you know there are points where it sort of stops and gets tired and you can then hit it in the head, which is where it does the most damage. But yeah, so died a few times to that, but really not too much trouble. And then we got to Genishiro Ashna, who was comfortably the boss that gave me the most difficulty in this entire run. Comfortably. It like, wasn't even close.
1: I can totally believe it, man. It was. It was... Out of all the memories of the bosses that I've beaten in that game, probably my toughest boss fight. Also, the coolest boss fight, though, i got to say. Did you get to muck around with any of the lightning stuff? I did, yes. That's just such a cool mechanic to me. I love that. I think it was amazing. It is,
0: but I was finding the distance you had to be from him for it to actually proc quite tough. So yeah. I'd end up getting shocked a few times because I was too close to him and things like that. But, But I've got to say, man, this boss was tough, and it was very good fun, as you say. But my overriding emotion with it is that some of it was very questionable. Really? So he, Yeah, so he has some attacks where he's got a bow and arrow and a sword, right? Yeah. Sometimes with the bow and arrow, you'd dodge round him and you'd be to his side. He'd be facing away from you and his arrow would go almost 90 degrees and hit you. (laughs) Sometimes when he was doing his thrust attack, and this is a hitbox versus animation problem rather than a game problem, but the sword clearly misses you, but you still get hit. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something I actually found with a lot of bosses in Sekiro compared to Souls games, which is the FromSoft equivalent that I, that I have the most experience with that I can compare it to. It's definitely their most sloppy work in terms of hitboxes versus animations, for sure. Ah, fair enough. Okay. But I must say, particularly with this boss.
1: i got to say, that's not something I experienced myself, but, you know, I, I take your word for it sort of yeah. thing. Yeah absolutely but i think also we were we were doing different things like this doesn't obviously excuse any of that stuff you were talking about but for instance i didn't try to dodge a single arrow i parried everything like i I stopped dodging at all in that game so i didn't didn't notice those things yeah
0: eventually i learned that you could just hold the block button and it did no damage right yeah but when i was first starting i was trying to run around him to avoid the arrows because in my mind if you're shooting in a straight line i can run around and there's no issue yeah and I'm aware that in Dark Souls that there's some arrow tracking. Like, if you look at an arrow and you look to the side, it will eventually sort of start
1: it curves towards a bit. you. But what you're describing is the arrow coming out of the bow sideways. Almost.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and Now, maybe 90 degrees was a little bit of a sort of over-exaggeration from my part, but it was definitely coming out where it shouldn't have done, right? Yeah. It's physically impossible. And I said to my... I was shouting at my PC, it's physically impossible for that to happen! <laughs> <laughs> but as you say... That's not really how you're meant to play this boss.
1: That doesn't excuse it, though, because, I mean, that's kind of janky, <laughs> you know? It's like saying, oh, this game's buggy. It's like, well, you're not meant to play it like that. It's like, well, it's still yeah. buggy, you know? I get it, but... Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So, no, so that was pretty frustrating. Uh, so genuinely, I probably spent about three, four hours on this boss alone.
1: Oh, wow, yeah. No, same When I on my playthrough as well. Yeah, he took me a long, long time. Because yeah. that motherfucker's got a stage two. <laughs>
0: and a stage three. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, fuck f- this guy, but... As with most Souls games, once you get it, once you crack it, it's very satisfying when you actually beat the motherfucker. And a small aside, I, I do actually have an, another playthrough that I'd started, um, as I sort of mentioned last week. My controller broke, which is why I had to stop playing it. Once i beat beaten Genichiro Ash now on the challenge run, I actually went while I was in the zone and I went and beat him again on my 1 2. Nice, nice. Because I was, and I and I did it within two or three goes the second time
1: it's amazing isn't it with Sekiro the amount of different skill makes over everything is it's just once you yeah. learn the rhythm and stuff like that you're just good to go once you
0: know the and you know you've said this to me before uh shouts to my mate Daniele he's said this to me before once you get it there's nothing quite like it in terms of the satisfaction level yeah but the process to getting it oh it's tough is a motherfucker.
1: you got to get beat like at least a third of the game, at least a third of the game to like yeah. get into it. <laughs>
0: Especially as an experienced Souls player where dodging is sort of the main way to avoid things. Like dodging in this game fucking sucks, man. Like you use a quick step to dodge through an attack on occasion. You do not dodge backwards. You do not dodge to the side. You sprint or you jump. You do not dodge.
1: Literally, the only time you would ever need to dodge is when you want to do the Makiri counter, which is to parry the uh, to to counter the stab moves. Yeah. Only time you need to press the the dodge button.
0: Yeah, and fuck me, the timing of that got me for few got me killed a few times when I was learning that too. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you also have to have the angle just right as well. Like you can't just do it. You have to be. Face right, and, facing the sword. Yeah. So the amount of times I dodged past him into the thrust, I'm just like, "Fuck you, game." I pressed the button. Damn it.
1: <laughs> ah, so did you? Were you pressing forward and dodge then? Uh yeah. I
0: was doing. I was doing the direction into where he was thrusting from.
1: You can just press neutral dodge. Just press dodge when it hits. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, that makes it a lot easier then, so you don't accidentally dodge past them and stuff like that. I find it makes the timing a bit easier to predict as well because you're stationary, but at least when you're both standing still, you can kind of gauge the timing a bit better.
0: Yeah, I must admit, I thought you had to do the direction, so I, I, I probably skipped the instructions too quickly because <laughs> I sort of knew about it already, but hey, hey.
1: Mm, no, i got to say, that was my understanding initially as well, was that you dodge into the attack, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's what it does tell you, but if you do a neutral win this game, I think you don't do a backstep i think you do do a little forward dodge
0: perfectly possible but it, but it is ultimately a timing exercise so once you get it you get it right
1: and you're definitely right to mention the issues you had with it in comparison to dark souls especially because there's a series that we're both a big fans of yeah it's the fact that you kind of have to just forget everything you've learned about it in a game that has a lot of similar feelings to it
0: yeah for sure but once you shed it it does sort of become more second nature yeah. Although, even like when I was getting it, I was still finding myself not deflecting sometimes. And I, and I was even saying to my again, I shout at myself a lot when I'm playing games. I was <laughs> saying to myself, Hallroyd, why the fuck are you not deflecting, man? Like, you know that that's going to happen. You know you can deflect this. Why are you not doing it? And it's like,
1: it's muscle memory. It's unlearning. But it is, it is. Yeah. You know,
0: it's press being back, uh, press being backwards or to the side. Like, if you yeah. know that something's coming that you want to get out of the way of, is, you know, is what it is. But finally beat the camp but took way too long. Way too long. wasn't happy at all. But but there it is. And I will also use this opportunity to say that, and this is a positive thing. It's going to sound like I'm being negative, but this is a positive thing. At no point throughout my playtime of this did I feel powerful. And what I mean by that is, in in a let's use Dark Souls again, right? You can get your weapon of choice. If you're struggling with a boss, you can go grind, buy some stuff, upgrade your weapon to a plus five, for example instantly you're doing a lot more damage right yeah in this game you can't really do that the only no. way your damage upgrades is by beating certain bosses not all bosses and getting memories yeah i believe there is another way to do it that involves collecting three mask pieces and then you can trade skill points for attack power i wouldn't have been able to do it anyway because i think the third piece is part of the non-surer ending
1: you won't yeah you won't get that type of stuff until you're way later on in the game that's that's exactly. a real tough thing to do yeah
0: uh, and it would i didn't have the resources all the time so wouldn't have been a thing but but this was as i say this is a good thing because in dark souls and bloodborne even really you can become quite op with certain builds by specking in the right stats early and getting a decent early game weapon and making it +5 plus +10 plus or whatever whereas in this game you actually have to get good yeah at, at that specific boss um which i it was a nice change of pace for me i, I enjoyed that
1: Yes, no, I agree with you. There is there is certain measures that you can do to make the bosses a little bit easier for yourself. So obviously taking a different route and fighting some mini-bosses, because the mini-bosses typically drop an item that allows you to extend your health bar. Uh, so if you do hit an absolute roadblock, you can take another route, but I can appreciate that when you've got a week to do this and an uncertainty of just how much you're going to struggle with these bosses, you didn't want to take a quick trip to the Harata Estate and kill a few mini-bosses there to get your health bar up, because that may have been valuable time that you needed to beat the final boss, for instance.
0: Well, not only that, but also with my limited playtime from being ill as well, it was just it wasn't something I was prepared to do. Yeah. You know, sure, I did have to kill some mini bosses throughout my route because you have to, (laughs) but... Not all of them give prayer beads, which is the item Will alluded to there that improves your health and posture. And I didn't have time to explore every single area to find ones that are just hidden around. You're Sure, I picked up a few by sort of looking in places, looking for the roots because it's not obvious where you need to go a lot in this game. Now, yes. Even in the Souls games, like... It's not, but you can kind of, you can see where you're meant to go, right? You can sort of see. I don't know,
1: dude. The amount of time I was stuck at the Firelink Shrine before I figured out there was that little path around the back to take you to Undead Berg. God damn, (laughs) I don't even want to admit how long that took me to find.
0: Well, to be fair, maybe it's a familiarity thing, right? (laughs) But with this game, the amount of times I had to like backtrack and be like, f*** me, there's a place you can jump up there. I didn't see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know to, you know there's you have to get to um one of the bosses you have to do for the sure ending um the uh corrupted monk you have to go to a place called the abandoned dungeon yeah fuck me if that didn't take me hours to find cuz you go across the bridge right and the the gate's locked to where it is and if you don't look up and see that you can grapple to the top of it it's not immediately obvious and you know when you're going quickly you're not necessarily paying as much attention as you should so i just ran back and was like Fuck it, i'm gonna do a bunch of other stuff and came back and it was only really when i sort of looked and it, and it popped up briefly you've got that green circle and i was like yeah. something here sure enough jump down go through one door and i'm in the place i need to be so
1: and this guy he's the one that's sort of like in a massive dark chamber right it's like almost pitch black chamber that you need to get around the side. Is it the guy that you need to use one of your uh, sort of anti-ghost spell things on to beat?
0: No, that's headless. Corrupted Monk is you have to go through the abandoned dungeon, beat a mini boss called the Shimininian Warrior.
1: Oh, yeah, the Shimininian
0: Warrior. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I know that.
0: No, sorry. I know he's a guy that you do need divine confetti for so you can hit ghosts. Yeah, that's that's true. You need to beat him. Well, you don't need to beat him, but... I beat him to get to where I needed to go. And then you have to go through like this. It's called the Hidden Forest and uh, it's all misty and shit. You jump through a building, kill this poor bastard mini boss called Mist Demon or something. Easiest boss in the game comfortably. <laughs> you jump off the roof for one death blow and then it's literally two, three hits. Boom, done. Right. <laughs> no attack whatsoever. No poise. And you get to a place called Mibu Village, where you then run through the whole village. I literally didn't stop for anything. I ran through the whole village, got to the Corrupted Monk at the end, and a uh, relatively tough boss fight. It wasn't the worst. Once you learn the move patterns, you can sort of bait them into doing certain moves that then give you an opportunity to go in and attack, take like, And this is one of the ones where it's like, you don't necessarily need to do the poison stuff. You can just chip away at the health bar, <laughs> run in do a few hits, run around again, wait for them to do the attack that they can bait you in, come back in, do it, rinse, repeat. Only one death blow, so it wasn't too bad. Nice, nice. But, but no, sort of going back to the, the point of hand there, yeah, it was tough to find your way around in this game when you sort of go into it first and don't really know what's going on. But once you find the routes, it's then relatively linear and you can sort of do it, particularly if you're not looking for all the secrets, which I wasn't. Another boss that I've got to give a big shout out to because it was probably the boss I had the most fun with. Oh, yeah. And it was probably the one that was most satisfying to beat, particularly without the prosthetics.
1: Guardian Ape. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm glad you had fun with that one because I found that fight to be very difficult. Not particularly frustrating, just difficult. Typically, I avoid getting frustrated with these types of games sort of thing, but... oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, that one was... Uh, it was tough, I do remember. And it also really adds insult to injury when he picks a piece of shit out of his ass and kills you with that. So yeah. that's also not
0: ideal. But you want him to do that attack, though. Yeah, yeah, big Because you can just run under him. Yeah. But, yeah, that one was... Uh... Again, uh, and there's probably a good time to say that uh, at no point did I miss prosthetics in this run except for the firecrackers. I've already mentioned it two times. This one would have been one where it would have been hella useful because Guardian 8 being a beast boss, yeah. particularly in phase one, before it goes headless. And it was the only way I could get him.
1: Fair play to you for managing to crack that bastard with uh, no firecrackers.
0: Yeah, patience, man. It's just patience, learning the moveset.
1: How many attempts? Maybe Ten. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. Maybe 10? I I I reckon it took me about maybe 10 to get to the second stage. (laughs) It was
0: tough, but just with patience, learning the moves, not being too aggressive, but at the same time, this game wants you to be aggressive. So it's a real fine balance. But um, phase two actually becomes a lot easier, I found. Mm. Oh, yeah, certainly. Way more erratic movement, but much slower. You can sort of run away bait it into doing that dive attack where it slides along the floor
1: that's one of the most erratic moves he's got but the thing is is he has a long recovery time from that so that's also quite beneficial
0: exactly get two or three hits in nine times out of ten he'll then do that terror scream afterwards
1: you just got to run away from
0: run behind him because there's no like all of the range on it is in front of him oh i hadn't realized that yeah no if you run away from if he's facing you and you run away you'll get a hit a bunch if you run behind you easy won't get hit
1: and he, you do he has a telegraph sign for that he makes a certain noise or something just before he does you it can see him breathing in that's So it. you can see yeah. the air
0: coming in yeah. um, and then he goes but yeah so you just uh again patience waiting for your opportunities to attack no more than two or three hits at a time unless you manage to stun him in which case go for five or six run away come back uh yeah got there in the end man that it was a toughie.
1: I'm sure that was a hard four battle, man, but congratulations on smashing the Guardian out and Stage 2 as well.
0: It was, as I say, it was the most satisfying one for that very reason because I have since done it on my other file as well. Oh, yeah. And I used firecrackers and it was fucking easy the last yeah. time. like It just
1: makes a mockery. Well, me, once like. you've beaten the boss, they're all easy, sort of yeah. thing. Once you've beaten them, they're easy because you. it's it's a rhythm game, isn't it? More than anything, yeah. once you've got that rhythm, bum. Even easier than Dark Souls. I find that the ones on Dark Souls, they can still pull out some unpredictable bullshit. basically. But in Sekiro, if you've got those attack timings down, you're golden. You don't need the prosthetic. You could easily complete the game um, using the prosthetic the first time through, and then your second playthrough, no prosthetic, no problem. Just because you know the timings. It was a
0: learning experience. I actually played the game this way as a sort of... Not a first playthrough, but a first playthrough that's had any sort of extended time put into it. I certainly feel I'm better at the game for that. So for that, I thank you
1: yeah no doubt I was thinking actually it really does force you to get in tune with that rhythm element of the game because the as you said before the prosthetic just makes things a hell of a lot easier basically it just kind of it shortcuts you to that death blow by filling up their poise meter to the point where you break their poise
0: yeah and not only that but with beast enemies um, it stuns them so much that you get that initial posture sort of bonus and then you're hitting them five or six times which only increases that yeah and the lower health an enemy has the slower they regenerate their posture posture too and
1: the more posture damage you do
0: all things that would have made my life a lot easier and quicker but (laughs) honestly weren't needed so it was good it was a good way to learn the game but yeah once you do those two bosses um, and the other boss that is essential for the Shura ending which is the folding screen monkeys which is not a boss really it's 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 a puzzle it's a puzzle relatively frustrating when you sort of are learning their patterns and what each one does but once you know you know Um, And it's very like there's no like if you die to folding screen monkeys, I'm sorry, but you need to have a long, hard look at yourself (laughs) because nothing in there can really kill you. It sometimes spawns some monkeys that can inflict the terror buff on you, which if it gets to full will kill you instantly. Similar to curse in the Dark Souls series. But they're two shotters and there's only ever I think the most I ever had chasing me was five. And that was because I just got unlucky with some spawns. But at no point did they come near killing me. So Mm. that one was fine. It just took a bit of time. So then for the Shura ending, what you're, what the game then forces you to do is go back to meet your Lord Kuro in the Ashina Castle where you actually fight Shira who I was mentioning earlier. And your daddy's there.
1: Big Daddy Owl.
0: Big Daddy Owl is there.
1: With a great bushy beard. A
0: great big bushy beard. And, and big old ponytail too. Like a lot of hair this guy yeah, has. Yeah,
1: he's like a big boss if he just let everything grow out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and he gives you an ultimatum sort of abandon Kuro, who's like your... your master child person
1: who's you're sort of his assigned protector aren't you
0: exactly and he's give, he brought you back to life he's you know he gave you some of his dragon's blood and that's how you can resurrect and all that good stuff and uh, big daddy owl says forsake him and join me and this is the only thing i looked up in the run because i was so paranoid that i've done <laughs> all this work the wrong option. <laughs> And I would pest the wrong option, man. Right?
1: Fuck that iron code <laughs> exactly. So
0: it's like I was like, oh man. I just so I double check. I checked myself. I looked up and I was like, okay, no, I am forsaking that Kura. is permitted. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. All right, sweet. Because the last thing I wanted is to
1: do like all these hours. And I then... did tell you that a completion wasn't good enough. It needed to exactly. be exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: So that so did it. And what that then gives you is a final. It's two bosses, but really it's just a boss with three health bars. You fight Emma, who is the lady who sort of upgrades your healing item previously. And she will kill you in two hits. <laughs> Particularly because I had basically no health. health bar. Yeah. But once you learn the attack patterns and what you can dodge and what you're meant to do, you you can literally kill her without getting hit. So mm. that became a free, eventually, I, I died a bunch, but it became a free like, health bar on yeah. the boss. And then you get Ishin Ashina, which is the same final boss as if you did a legit playthrough, I believe, but with a different moveset, different look, and obviously a different arena. This one was also very tough, but not in the same way where Genichiro was tough and also a little bit fucked. This one was a quintessential Souls boss. It was tough, but it was incredibly fair. Uh, the phase one moveset was relatively easy to dodge or parry once you knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But again, you're dying in one or two shots. And I probably should have mentioned this with Genichiro, but I'll mention it here. If you do get a hit and you want to go and heal yourself, fuck me, make sure you're a fucking long way away from these cunts because they will shimmy across the floor. Yeah, <laughs> Those button-reading sons of bitches. And they will literally, what you've just healed, they will knock off again and possibly yeah. even kill you with a second one. So you yeah. really have to be a long way away to heal. But phase one really didn't give me too much trouble. I died to it a few times, sure, but it didn't give me too much trouble. Phase two, though. Oi. Wow. He gets this mad fire attack where he can summon pillars of fire up from the ground, which will knock you into the air and give you the burn debuff straight away, which means your poise doesn't recover, as well as Uh, ticking your health down. He then runs in at you, does some crazy shit where he spins his sword around and hits you like 15 times, (laughs) and then will run at you and do a slice. Suffice to say, that is pretty much a one-shot if you get hit by all of it. And uh, the amount of times I got to phase two and then it was like, oh, wow, I've just died straight away. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because final time I'm going to say it, if I'd had the firecrackers, I could have stunned him out of the animation. Life would have been good. Because essentially the rest of the fight is phase one with a few extra fiery bits.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But... I learnt the tactic. There are bits... You can see where the fire pillars are going to come from because there's flaming embers on the floor, which is where they come up from. You can run to a clear bit. You then have time when the flame goes down to nearly the floor again. You can actually run through it and it doesn't hurt you. Oh, okay. So you can run away from the other one, and then if you just keep running, you will eventually avoid the slashy hit to finish. And I'm very pleased to tell you that I was able to beat it.
1: Hey, Well so done, man. Well done I for did achieve the
0: Shura ending... And therefore did complete the challenge. Well done, man. Well done. Truly well deserved.
1: Game complete. Sure ending. No ninja prosthetics.
0: No ninja prosthetics. And 15 and a half hours total playthrough.
1: Ah, very nice. And as I say,
0: genuinely four, four and a half, maybe even five hours of that was Genichiro.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, because that was... For sure, uh, next to the Guardian 8, one of the fights that I had more trouble with. And yeah, uh, yeah, just fair play to you for managing to get through it all without using any ninja prosthetics. Because even though you've been talking about the firecrackers, there are quite a few other prosthetics that you could find very useful those, during yeah. that. Like the, the axe, for instance, you'll still take damage while you're using it. It's basically impossible to knock you out of that attack animation. So if you've got enough health bar to take the hit... And you purchase the follow up move, which allows you to do a spinning move after you do the axe thing. If you're getting to their kind of almost the point where you've got your death blow, you just think, fuck it, just do that move. I've got the health. Yeah. I'll finish the fight now. Rather than thinking, oh, I've got to be careful, you know, or oh, yeah. he's, he's right at the end. You know, when that greed brain starts coming in, you see a sliver of health left. Or oh, yeah,
0: that got me a couple of times. Yeah, for sure. or
1: a tiny bit of uh, poise on the bar left to fill in. Yeah. It gets you. You do start getting careless. You make the wrong mistake. And sometimes those uh, it's it's not particularly honorable but you know sometimes those uh those ninja prosthetics really come in handy i've yet to do something as disgusting as like get a boss down to one hp and then finish them off with a shuriken or something like that <laughs> but hey man i can live the dream someday
0: it, it, there's there were times when i mean i'm i don't am think i've used all of the prosthetics in my other playthroughs where i have been using prosthetics but of the ones that i found firecrackers would have been hands down the most like if you'd yeah. said you can use one prosthetic in this yeah. whole run it would have been firecrackers that yeah. like hands down the axe would have been useful for cuz the axe deals a lot of poise as well
1: a lot of poise damage yeah
0: so for for one mini boss in particular um, i think it's just called armored guy or <laughs> or armored man i don't know what the fuck it was called but you, you can't chip away its health at all. It's oh, so is this armed. the guy
1: that's speaking in English? Uh, he's I think people refer to him as the Dark Souls boss of the game because he's all in Dark Souls armor. <laughs> he's like in a full plate armor and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he mine, because obviously, as I do with games like this, I put it in Japanese with English subtitles. But he's an essential mini boss you have to fight and you have to get him poise damage sound right to the bottom and then get him near the edge of a bridge and you have to kick him off the bridge. You can't just death blow him because he's so armored that's right and uh hilariously like when he falls up because he's i think the law behind it is he's there to Fight get the son. rejuvenating waters for his son so yeah. his son can survive and his son's called robert so when he's falling off the cliff he goes robert
1: yeah yeah
0: but in japanese <laughs> does he really it's and, and that made that popped me i won't lie
1: that's see that's interesting because I mean like I had it set to to English, I think, just so I could not have to read the subtitles the whole time. Typically I'm yeah. the same as you. I go for Japanese, but I think I was running I was running two simultaneous playthroughs, one on my PlayStation, one on my PC. Yeah, I had one on yeah, English, yeah, one on yeah. PC. And I only remember him speaking in English. I'm just thinking, well, that's really weird, because he's clearly meant to be a Western character. So why would he yeah. <laughs> add the extra <laughs> a bit on the rubber. I don't <laughs> know, but it
0: was funny. It made me laugh. <laughs> so that would, there's, the axe would have been handy for that because you could do a huge chunk of poise without having to worry too much. And the only other one that I probably would have gotten some use out of would have been the Umbrella one. Oh, yeah. Because that there was one... And I'm a little bit ashamed of this, but it is what it is. There was one boss that I had to cheese because I didn't know how else to do it. Um, it's a boss called snake eyes shirahagi mm, mm, and what yeah. you can do you're in the, basically in this poisonous pit before you get to the um the hidden forest and therefore the uh, the corrupted monk boss i was talking about earlier and there's poison pools everywhere and there's mobs in the arena right what i ended up doing was you kill some of the mobs and the boss doesn't see you sneak around the back of the boss to do the instant death blow for one of their health bars and then i ran to a certain point of the map where the boss would follow me into the poison pool Oh, yeah. And you let the what poison I then had take. to do was. T- <laughs> exactly. And then what I then had to do to stop it from um, just walking out of the poison is I'd have to run to the edge of a cliff, bait it into doing its shooting attack, because this boss had a gun, baiting it into its shooting attack in the poison. So I'd run back to then be missed, but then I'd have to run forward again so it didn't walk back to try and hit me. If I'd had the umbrella, I could have just stood there with the umbrella up and just let it shoot me ad nauseum. Would have been quicker. But aside from that, I, I really didn't miss the prosthetics too much and I admittedly I haven't used all of them but yeah man it was this was a good challenge it was good fun I was very happy I was able to do it, given I was only able to play in sort of two, three hour stints at most.
1: Yeah, no, I'm really pleased that you had a good time playing this game. Being a FromSoft game, although it's not strictly a Souls-like, there was a slight sort of level of surprise that you hadn't sort of got through this one already, just given that I know that we're both, you know, very big FromSoft fans, very big Souls fans. But I'm really pleased that this challenge has finally got you to turn around and crack it, and, uh, and also it sounds like it's kind of sparked your interest in the game again anew and and you'll be playing through it again to get the good ending all good news man it sounds like the game has kind of clicked in your head now did you have that sort of light bulb moment where you've realized what the game was about you know once you threw away all your Dark Souls knowledge and fully immersed yourself in the world of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice
0: I would say I did yeah it's kind of an odd one though because I knew this going into it I knew what the game was about and I knew what I had to do but your muscle memory just takes over
1: it's, it's exactly that, yeah. yeah. It's one thing someone telling you, and it's another thing you learning it, you know, yourself. Yeah, sort of thing. especially
0: because yeah. the first few bosses and mini-bosses don't really force you to. Like, you can get by by not. Yeah. So, as a result, like, the first few bosses, you can just be a Souls player playing Sekiro, and you can get by. But when you get to, like, Genichiro, Guardian Ape, or these late later game bosses, and I imagine, uh, I mean, obviously, Ishinashina that I fought and... Sword Saint, is it? The yep. one that's yep. the actual legit one? There's no way you can souls that. You have to play Sekiro <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, but yeah, so thanks again. Look forward to playing more of it. And uh, apologies in advance for next week's catch up because that'll probably be what it is if I get some time <laughs> to play it. So.
1: Nice one, man. Well, once again, congratulations. A point well earned. And uh, through adversity, difficult times, you managed it. So well done, man. Was well
0: that
1: enough 5-4? 5-4, yes, I believe so. Yeah
0: nose back in front (laughs) until will until you beat this challenge
1: okay you're sounding confident for me that's good
0: well you have the skill to do it
1: do i have the health right now that's that's (laughs) the the physical health
0: because i would say that whilst this game isn't as intense as Sekiro, it will certainly require you to be on point for some of it some of it you'll probably just breeze through but i think it's fair to say it's it's not a souls like but it's quite similar But it's a completely different franchise, and if that hasn't given it away, then I don't know what will. So, without further ado, this week, Will, you're going to be playing Jedi Fallen Order on Jedi Master Difficulty.
1: Oh, what? (laughs) Oh my god. What? I don't know, man. (laughs) I need to complete the game on Jedi Master Difficulty. (laughs) I think I need to. I think I just need to play it for a decent amount of time because I did stick this game on one of the hardest difficulties to play with and I absolutely got my ass kicked. But I think that was more just unfamiliarity with the game. It was this specific frog enemy on the first planet and he was
0: tough. Oh, yeah. You're not meant to fight him straight away.
1: Yeah. I just was like, no, I will beat you.
0: Yeah. 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 You're not meant to fight. He's like a mid to end game boss.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for telling me that. I now know not to waste like four hours. <laughs> and also, he's not compulsory,
0: ch- so you don't need to do it. Okay. <laughs>
1: so i I now know not to waste four hours on that single boss out of the challenge so okay that's that's good (laughs) yeah
0: but no so the reason i i'm specifically saying jedi master difficulty is because i know that you're an experienced souls player and it basically
1: just there's a lot of similarities yeah it will make
0: it more fun for you honestly because i i've played the game both on the normal difficulty and jedi master which is the equivalent of hard and normal was way too easy way to it until the final boss
1: i did actually start the game on normal after having so much difficulty with that frog guy and you're right the game becomes a bit of a joke at that point then it becomes suddenly like just a playthrough experience rather than anything else yeah
0: so jedi master it will give you a good challenge you just got to complete it you don't have to explore everything i'm not making you collect all force echoes like none of that nonsense just get through it have some fun with it man it's uh it'll be relatively intense but provided your health stays up,
1: <laughs> I'm either gonna smash this challenge or keel over tomorrow. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. It's
0: very much achievable. For context, I did a run where I didn't get everything and I didn't explore everywhere, but I explored at least two planets to a hundred percent and like, fought everything I could possibly fight. Twenty hours, I finished it.
1: Oh wow! Okay, okay. You know, so that gives me some confidence. Then,
0: so so it's not gonna be like oh you, you need to put 30 hours into this to finish it is is you can do this i think you'll have fun with it it'll be a good challenge as i say and uh i look forward to hearing how you get on man
1: yeah no i'm really happy with this challenge it's definitely a game that i've uh, enjoyed playing before fell off of it at one point or another for one reason or another but absolutely looking forward to getting back into this game it was a game that i enjoyed playing a lot when it came out and when i finally got hands on with it uh and i'm very much looking forward to finally completing this bad boy
0: So with that, we come to the end of episode 14. Thank you for sticking with us if you've made it this far. If you enjoyed what you listened to, then uh, please do make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Just search for Total Pod Mode and uh, we're sure to be there. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast in, in its entirety on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode.
1: You can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me on Twitter at MrBames.
0: And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM.
1: And you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk.
0: And with that, thank you for joining us. Will, we made it. Neither of us died.
1: <laughs> Are we gonna make it to the next episode or is this our kind of our farewell to the listeners? <laughs>
0: uh, well let's hope not let's hope we'll we can see. make it to next week yeah because <laughs> you know if we don't make it then that means i win the challenge by the fact oh, no. so,
1: okay well that's I'll, I'll stay alive for at least another week then <laughs> exactly at
0: least get it level oh dear me so once again a big thank you to our listeners um it really means a lot that you stick with us and even when we're dying basically recording <laughs> please do share with your friends rate us five stars where you can it really does help and uh, we look forward to bringing you more content in the future.
1: Yeah, hopefully with a little increased energy on the next yeah. episode. We're both flagging. We just want to go to bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, dear me. And with that, let's go to bed.
1: <laughs> not together, though. Creepy. <laughs> well, well,
0: you know, let's not rule anything out.
1: Yeah, we're getting a little too close during this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. bye bye